on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts... Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. Yes, I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. I have been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 27 years. Now, if you have investment questions through this crazy time we're going through or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, maybe selling, or thinking, should I just hold this company? What should I do? Please call in at 833 288 0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And as always, get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Well, Chase, good morning. Kind of a crazy week this past week, and we're still in the midst of a uh, crazy time of this pandemic, the economy, what's going to happen and so forth, but a lot to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. Always a lot to talk about. Yep. So, well, let's start off. I mean, I, I, so many different things. I, I, this Facebook advertising thing really caught me, I don't want to say by surprise, but but the, the it's like a wave that's just building and getting more and more and more. Uh, in case you don't know, is their advertising platform in trouble uh, with small businesses trying to get back on their feet? I'm curious to see uh, well, how are they going to be spending money on advertising? I mean, Facebook is also having problems with larger players, uh, as more than 90 marketers have said. They intend to join a pledge to pause their ad spending on the platform. Now, some of these, I believe, for a month, some are till year end. Some are saying, we don't know when we're going to come back. I think it's indefinite for a lot of these players, which is kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and you've got like companies like Verizon. I think Verizon said they're going to go. I think they're one that said they're not sure when they're going to stop it. Was it Coca-Cola said till the year end? Uh, Unilever, I know, was one that, that came out and said, you know, we're probably looking at least through the end of the year. And Unilever, for people that don't know, Unilever has, you know, Dove. They have Ben & Jerry's. They have Axe. They have a lot of these name brands, which can be kind of concerning. Right. Especially, I think their ad spend has already been in this, the several million dollar range for the year. Right. And, and, and Chase, I'm being told now that uh, your mic's a little bit low. Can you turn up the red knob uh, on your mic? It's a little bit too low. So, um, yeah, so, uh, let's see, and I, I don't know if uh, D Dave can hear you better or not, so. Yeah, is that working? Oh, that's much better. Yeah, I was having the same thing. Like, you sound like kind of low there, so good. We got, we got that resolved. So, um, but, but anyways, uh, and, and what we're wondering is how this is going to affect. Now, we did see the stock slide. I think it was 3 or 4%. It was 9%. 9%? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I guess I didn't see the whole thing. I, <clears throat> I think I'm thinking about the morning time. But that hurt him quite a bit. And the question is what they're going to do about going forward. So funny, I heard somebody talking about Facebook. They said they're the best company that just continually says, yes, we're going to fix it. Yes, we're going to fix it. Yes, we're going to fix it. And they never do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, a problem, I feel like, for, gosh, years now. Where it's They're always in front of Congress. And I have always said that one of the big concerns I have with them is the regulation risk. And the reason I, I think a lot of these brands are, are pulling their advertising from Facebook, I mean, Unilever uh, cited a divisive country at this time. And y you think about Facebook, when you advertise, you have no control over where your ad's going mm -hmm. to be placed and under what post it could be. I mean, you could have, you know, like you could be a, a Democrat and see somebody post something that's conservative, get all pissed off. Or the yeah. other side, you could be Republican and see somebody post something that, that's very, you know, liberal at this time. And, oh, my gosh, now I'm all pissed off. Well, now you don't want your, your image to be associated <laughs> with somebody being pissed off. So I, I think it could be a concern for these advertisers that, that, that they don't want to destroy their brand image. And the other thing that's coming up, too, though, uh, with social media, are they now going to control speech? Is that the end of free speech because you can't say what you want anymore on, on social media? And then uh, this is a big problem that I, I think two, three years ago we never thought about. Now it's becoming a problem 
where, and again, advertisers saying, as you said, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be part of that. Well, how do you control it? Yeah, and I mean, we're hearing about the big dogs, but I, I wonder how many of the small players are also saying that. And we, we talked about the small business um, a little bit in your, your intro there. And, you know, not only do they want to spend, but can they spend? I mean, I'm sure restaurants are not yeah. spending a whole lot on Facebook ads at this time. I think it's going to be very telling when we, we see these second quarter results from Facebook. And again, I'm not expecting huge numbers from many companies. But Facebook has had a positive, even after the, the close yesterday, down 9%, I think Facebook is still up over 5% year to date. So, yeah, I mean, and they've done well, and, and obviously they weren't really affected by the, the coronavirus in, in that respect. It wasn't like people weren't going to Facebook because they'll get the coronavirus from it. Uh, so they it, it was a good platform, but again, I still think it's kind of pricey. But the interesting thing is that you say it's a good platform. They don't care if you're going to Facebook. That's not how they make their money. It's how much are the advertisers spending. Right. So that's where I, I'm a little concerned, and we, talk, we talked a little bit here in the office that you know, I, I'm very interested to see how these businesses are going to get out of this. Right. You, you know, They've been sh- forced to shut down. Ad spending is normally one of the first things you cut, yeah. and the, the benefit to Facebook is it's very flexible in terms of you know, how much you can spend when you want to spend it. It's not like you're locked into a contract over you know, a monthly fee. Right. So that's the benefit. The downside to having that is it's very flexible, so you don't have to spend <laughs> money. <laughs> right. yeah. and, and actually, Facebook does want to care about people going to the, to the Facebook media because if not, then the advertising will say, well, why are we advertising <laughs> because no yeah. one's going to see Facebook anymore? And actually, there has been, and I don't know the numbers, but a, a shift more to Instagram, I guess, over the years where more people go to Instagram. Um, so it, it does come down to they have to have people come to their medium to actually see it, use it, so the advertisers say, yes, you have all these eyeballs going to it, so we will advertise with you. Yeah, and I, I kind of looked at the numbers a little bit on Facebook, and even after that pullback, it, it still trades about 22 times next year's earnings. So it's not, I wouldn't call it a bubble in terms of its stock price, but it, it's expensive. And I think it's priced for a positive outlook, not priced for a company that could have some serious regulatory issues and perhaps to change their platform to get the advertisers back. And, and you know, it's so funny you said it trades at 22 times earnings. It was a company that we used to like, a great company, uh, now trades at, I think, 27 times. That's Apple. Wow. Uh, very expensive. So, I mean, Apple, again, another great company. And we never said Facebook's a bad company. We just are value investors. We have seen this story over history play over and over again. When things go up, everything eventually comes back down the mean. That's eventually. Um, and, and we were talking about uh, Apple before the show. And how Apple, I believe, has been on top for about 14 years. You never stay on top of the mountain forever. Uh, you will eventually. I remember, oh, who, what was it? Uh, the black, uh, I was saying the blueberry. The blackberry was, was, yeah. was a big one for years. And then Apple came along. So the Razor. The Razor was another big one. But, yeah. but I think blueberry. Uh, blueberry. blueberry. <laughs> blackberry uh, was on top for, I think, a few years. Apple came along. And again, Apple's been on top for 14 years. And they were having their troubles, too, I, I, I see. And we'll kind of get off tangent here a little bit. But I, I saw that there's a, a big push that there's complaining now that they're getting, I think, 30% of the revenue for their apps. And there's a lot of businesses saying that's just way too much. And there's a, I forget the gentleman's name, but he's been starting to be push 40, st- testifying in front of Congress, I believe, that's saying that is just uh, unfair, abusive, monopolistic thing that they're doing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, you know, that's one thing we talked about a couple of years ago even, and it hasn't come to fruition, but, yeah. you know, these, these companies, these tech companies, and it happened with, you know, oil. It's happened with banking is you, you, you kind of get a little bit too long of a leash and you start to run and, oh my gosh, this stock is so great, so great. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere, we don't know how to handle these new technologies. We had to rein in banking. We had to rein in you know the oil industry. Yep. Well, at some point, we're going to have to rein in these technology companies and that's going to limit their growth. And that's where I think a lot of people, they've done well in these technology companies, but they're not looking, you know, where they're going to be five years from now. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's just done great over the last six months, so it's going to do great <laughs> over the next six months, right? That's not how it works. And, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, just the, the mentality of people during the tech boom where, gosh, you couldn't be wrong picking the yeah. Qualcomms and Cisco's until, you know, the bubble burst in 2000. You lost 80, 90 percent of your portfolio. You could have been right and made you know, 100, 200 <laughs> percent, only to have it just wiped out 
in the matter of a couple of years. And, and I think I think we're seeing a lot of that right now with some of the FANG stocks and so forth. Where and I, I see these ridiculous. Oh well, they raised the price target on Apple to four hundred. Why? Well, because it keeps going up. Well, th- there's no justification for it other than that the momentum is there. Well, once that goes away, how are you justifying? I think I, I was a four hundred dollar price target on Apple. Just because uh, it was kind of like, yeah, it keeps going up, and, it, and that's not a good way to invest. Everything has a value to it, even stocks, and that will come to reality someday as well. You, you'll so uh, <laughs> once it hits 400, the momentum's still there. So what, you're going to raise your price target to 500? It's just going to go up forever? That, <laughs> you that, know? That's, that's some of the uh, analysts' uh, momentum method. investing. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it is. Well, it went to 400, so therefore it should go to 450. How silly is that? So uh, let's talk about uh, being silly. The coronavirus, I don't want to say the coronavirus is silly. Obviously, that, that's not true. But coronavirus fear is back in the media. Uh, the media just loves talking about this coronavirus. Virus. I mean, cases have risen as the economy has reopened and tasting capability, testing capability has expanded. Uh, at least a portion of the increase in cases comes from the increased testing. Now, we, we've known this, so I'm kind of surprised that, you know, people are kind of talking about it. But the, these concerns have sent the stock market lower. Uh, but long term, we still remain bullish on the right stocks. The media tends to highlight the negative and bypass things that are m- trying to balance things out, which we talked about. Uh, and this is just so wrong in the media because they want to create that fear, that terrible thing. Like, we're going to show you the negative part, but we're not going to show you the other side. That's not so bad. Yeah, I mean, a great example is uh, earlier in the week. You know, the, the headlines are, you know, Texas hospitalizations surged 43 percent compared to last week. Well, I mean, that sounds terrifying. But if you look at the numbers, you know, the seven-day moving average for hospitalizations in Texas was 3,110. You know, in a state of 30 million people, that's not going to overwhelm the hospital system. And, you know, things are getting a little bit more, I don't want to say like, oh, we're, we're back to everything's normal. I, I, you know, we, we are seeing a little bit of a rise in the hospitalizations. So, you know, unfortunately, we did see Texas and Florida kind of rein in some of their plans in terms of the bars and, and kind of retracing a little bit. But they're not shutting down the economy. They're just trying to reduce the spread because that's the whole fear here is we overwhelm the hospital systems. And, you know, 3,100 people in Texas, I don't think we're overwhelming the hospital system. Right. But <clears> if we continue on that path, we very well could, you know, in two, three months. So have to kind of figure out that right balance. Yeah. And I, I use the analogy driving a race car that uh, you come into the curve. Yeah, you're going to back off on the gas. You accelerate coming into the curve. When you're in the curve, you actually accelerate. So when you come out of the curve, you're accelerating. But you do not hit the brakes. And the same thing's going to happen here. Yeah, maybe moved a little bit too quickly. So we'll back off on the accelerator, kind of you know close the bars down a little bit, see what happens. Uh, but you do not shut the economy down. And I think that at this point, and I've read many times, that we have learned our lesson. We are not going to shut down the economy completely again. That was the worst thing to do. We have to deal with this situation, and maybe the cases do rise. And, and, and again, yes, you did have more people in bars. You had I don't know how many millions of people out there protesting. Well, that was not helpful either, but it is amazing that you do see these cases rise. And so far, the death, I mean, the death rate has not done much at all. So I, maybe we're getting that contained. Also, I, I heard that we're, we're, we're better handling uh, in hospitals this so so there's there's some positives that the media will not bring out they just want to scare people and say oh my gosh you know this was was up uh 40 percent you know yeah and and i mean we have looked at different treatments that are there so i mean the, the positive is as you kind of said we're gonna have to learn how to live with this um it's not just going to disappear tomorrow as much as we all want it to that, that's not going to be the case so we, we have to learn how to live with this in an effective manner and you know as doctors learn more about how to treat this properly I think that's when, again, you can contain that death rate. You can, yep. you know, <clears throat> make it an uh, effective solution rather than saying, oh, just stay home for the rest of our lives. That's that's not going to be a, a possible solution. I mean, you're going to, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before, you're going to see mass bankruptcies. If we shut down, I think, again, for another two, three months, oh, my gosh, I think we would come out of this, and I think we'd have sustained unemployment. Call me crazy, but I think we'd have a sustained unemployment rate of, like, 25%. There's no way that you would have these yeah. people just shut down. I, it's not a effective solution. It, it will not work. It will not work. You, you got to learn how to deal with the situation. Also, too, in the meantime, we are building immunity to it because you're exposed to it. Many people have it or had it, uh, <clears throat> and now they're immune to it. So you've got to do this slowly is what they're trying to do, which makes sense. I mean, obviously, we're not doctors, but uh, the, the one thing I kind of look at is – 
you know, people talk about, oh, we should have locked down longer. The, the one thing, I, I, I it doesn't make any sense to me, and it's actually interesting, Jordan Belfort, the uh, Wolf of Wall Street, brought right. this point out <laughs> a few months ago. But he's saying, the thing I'm, I'm confused about is, so if we lock down and we come out in two months, well, if the virus still exists, is it going to spread again? So if we lock down, it's it's not going to be an effective solution. We have to learn how to live with this. This is the whole point. And again, the economy needs to be able to remain open, which I think that that's why the governors in Texas and Florida are not necessarily closing down restaurants and everything else. They're just closing down uh, portions of it. Yeah, and, and, and we need to learn how to, to deal with this because this virus is going to be here. It's not going to go away. It, like all the other viruses, they're still around in the air. You have to learn how to deal with them, whether it's a vaccine or just immunity, which actually I think is the better uh, way to go. Uh, because it is not going to go away. It is going to be here for virtually ever, and we need to let our bodies kind of deal with it and work with it um, and, and be cautious. I mean, obviously, you don't let the 75-year-old people out running around and no mask and, and everything else. Yeah, and obviously, we're not a health talk show, no. so uh, yeah. kind of <laughs> the, the financial side of it is, you know, we, we look at saying, you know, we're, we're dealing with this, and this is why it's so important to find the right companies. And the, the stock market has, you know, run quite high, and that's why I think mm-hmm. you, you've seen a, a slight pullback here uh, over the last few days. It's going to happen. I mean, we went up, I think, gosh, 50% from the bottom. Some companies more than doubled from the bottom in a matter of just, you know, I think 30 days. It, it was it was ludicrous how quickly it moved. And, you know, be very, very cautious at this time, I guess, is, is the yeah. point I would make around it. Because I think you're going to see continued headlines that, that could be negative and consider the stock market lower again. Yep. I, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, to see a 10 15% pullback. And I keep talking about be focused on December 31st of 2020. Look towards that. Look at uh, each month. And you're going to have some good months, some bad months, but 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 stay focused. Don't worry about the, the day-to-day movements and this news that comes out and that news comes out and the market goes down 1,800 points. Forget about that. Look at where you'll be December 31st of this year uh, and also to go month to month. It's like, oh, shoot, it was a bad month. Oh, it was a good month. And, and you know, that's what you got to look at. Speaking of uh, companies, uh, let's talk about American Airlines. They announced uh, it, it plans to raise $1.5 billion through sales of equity and convertible notes due in 2025, another $1.5 billion in senior secured notes, and $500 million uh, term loan f- uh, facility due 2024. I mean, this company scares me. I mean, <laughs> we were worried about the debt before this <laughs> right. whole situation happened. I don't know how they're going to repay this debt. I mean, they might be okay in terms of a cash position uh, and might be able to get through this pandemic. But I think, you know, three, four years down the road, oh, shoot, now we have all this debt we have to repay. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we didn't really rebuild our reserves enough to repay it. I, I'm very, very concerned on American Airlines. That is a lot of debt yeah. for an already high debt company, especially pair that with the lack of cash flow. Or, yeah, no, they're still burning cash. So burning they don't cash, have cash yeah. flow right now. Right. They're, they're generating more sales, but they still are, are not positive cash flow at this time. Yeah, and it's just one thing that you kind of worry about. And I know that they said, okay, they're going to fill that third or that middle seat, uh, which could kind of scare some people. But it still doesn't bring them to profitability because they're, they're not adding new flights. Uh, they're trying to get the planes filled. And somebody was telling me that the, somebody was flying a plane, the whole plane was filled, which is good. But it's still, they have a lot of costs they're dealing with. And I forget how much it costs to have those terminals at all these airports. It's very expensive. Um, so you, you can't get out of this yet. Uh, and they had a weak balance sheet to start with. And this is why we, we stress over and over again. We look at the balance sheet because you, you, you go through something like this and you never know what's going to come up. You've got to have that strong balance sheet. I'm sorry. American had a, a terrible balance sheet. Yeah, and I, as you kind of said, they are filling that third seat. I know a couple of the other airlines are not at this time. You know, I was thinking about it. I don't think I'd want to fly American. And I'm not super worried about contracting COVID. And even if I did, I'm obviously younger. I, I right. have faith that I'd be okay. Um, but... My thing is, well, I'd rather fly, I think United's one. It's not filling the middle seat just for pleasure purposes that I don't have somebody sitting <laughs> next to me. Right. It's much, much nicer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you almost get a first-class seat because you got more room. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I was, I was kind of thinking about that. I was like, I saw they're filling the middle seat, and I just I don't know if people are ready for that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, you're, you're right, too, not just ready for it, but also, too, why should I fly an airline while I know I have somebody next to me as opposed to I, I, I can fly – 
United and I can have extra room for no extra cost. So makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I mean, kind of broadly too on the the airlines. Um, you know, we we liked the airlines back in late March when things mm-hmm. were very very low. But gosh, they have rallied like crazy. So I mean, I I'd be very cautious in this industry right now especially with whatever company you may hold. I, I think this industry is going to continue to see volatility. I think if we do see a major pullback, though, it could be a, a good opportunity to nibble at the right airline. I was going to say, ma- make sure we stress the right airlines because they got to make sure they have a good balance sheet and they can get through this. So American can go down 50% and I would not buy it. No, <laughs> it, it can go down a dollar. I still wouldn't buy well, it. Well, actually, didn't you know it's, it's a hot time to be buying bankrupt companies? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another topic. I know we talked about that last week with Hertz and uh, Chesapeake and these other companies. So American can go the same route, but again, that's just uh, you know, musical chairs where eventually someone's going to be left uh, without a seat to, to sit on. Um, let's go ahead and open the phone lines. Uh, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Before we get to the uh, go to the phones, uh, let me talk about our webinar coming up on Thursday, July 16th. You know, the webinar is a great place to learn about the fundamentals of investing and the strategies we use to find good value investments. And this is so important through this difficult time because stocks are going up and down and craziness. If you focus on the fundamentals, it really brings down emotions an awful lot because you have something to put your arms around. Uh, you also learn how to make hard-earned money work for you and help you build wealth and get to your retirement. That's what, that's why many people invest in because, hey, I'm 40, I'm 50, uh, or you're in retirement already. You want to make sure you have a good retirement. So that's what we talk about on the webinar it is Thursday, July 16th, uh, available all day. What you need to do is register at our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. It is free, available all day. You'll learn a lot. Uh, so go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Sign up today uh, so you make it there. All right, again, phone number is 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. 0973. Let's go to San Diego and speak with James. James, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you had uh, a mention of WFC Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. Want to find out if there's any change you've seen if that. Uh, I think probably on the cell phone you broke up a little bit. I think I'm just asking if there's any change on that. Well, also, there has been some big changes. We will run over the numbers here for you. But this past week, the uh, Fed did do their uh, stress test stress test, and so forth. Uh, came out with some information about uh, we knew they would not let them increase the dividends. We knew that they would not do stock buybacks. But they came out with a formula to actually figure out how much in dividends they could uh, pay. And, and, and Wells Fargo is one that looks like they are going to have to cut their dividends. We'll know. I think on Monday is when they're, they're going to talk more. So uh, because they didn't. It's not a it's not a test. It was a formula that they came out to, and it looks like Wells Fargo, based on their last four quarters of earnings, uh, were paying more than they should based on this new formula. But but the numbers on Wells Fargo look good. Uh, let's go with the numbers uh, for you here again. It's a WFC is a symbol. PE ratio nine point seven versus nine for the industry. Uh, price to sales one point four versus one point nine. Price to tangible book value 0.77 versus one point one. That means you're paying seventy seven cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of this business. Uh, we also see price of cash flow is very low at 5.6 versus 16.7, and that is a positive. Now, the dividend yield right now is 7.45%. Now, it shows here the dividend payout ratio is 68% over the last 12 months. So that kind of uh, tells me maybe they won't have to cut it based on that, So that because it has to be 100%, but that won't include this current quarter, so that could change. Yeah, so so things are moving very quickly. So I would be prepared that perhaps a dividend could be cut on Wells Fargo, but even if they cut it, maybe it goes down to a four, maybe a four and a half percent yield. Now their sales year over year are down three point eight percent. Industry was up two point four. Earnings per share for Wells Fargo thirty eight versus thirteen. Now their debt to equity one hundred eighty versus three fourteen. This is a bank, so a little bit different uh, balance sheet. Return to equity is 7.4. That is slightly under the industry at 9.7. Net profit margin, very good, 18. And the industry is at 21. Chase, what do their earnings look like going forward? 
Yeah, we're looking at the price here for Wells Fargo. It's $25.34, 52-week high, $54.75, and 52-week low is $22. If we look out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $2.56. What gives the target sell price of $41.47? So that looks quite nice. Uh, kind of talking about the dividend, as you said, we will learn more of what they will actually do tomorrow, but Morgan Stanley did kind of run some numbers on what they believe will happen. Uh, they think that the dividend will get cut to 36 cents from 51 cents. So, I mean, it, it's not a huge cut. And if you take 36 cents, uh, you know, and annualize it, that'd be a dollar 44. You divide it by the current stock price of 25.34. You're still getting a 5.7 percent dividend yield. That's still pretty good. And, and actually, I looked at the payout ratio. That is for the last 12 months. Um, and, and again, what what they virtually said over the last four quarters you could not have your dividend higher than what your earnings were. Well, if the payout ratio was 68%, I said, well, that, that would qualify that they wouldn't have to cut the dividend. What am I missing there? The issue is uh, the quarter's pretty much over. So they're going to, so they're going to include this one. So now you're losing last year's quarter where you had positive earnings, and, and a lot of it. people are estimating, of course, Q2, they're still going to have loan loss reserves. Right. So that's going to be a loss in terms of their net income. So I think that's that's the issue is once you have that, that 68% is going to jump to, you know, uh, let's say 120%. So now they could cut it. They're not going to cut it in half. They're, right. I think they'll cut it, you know, maybe to that 36 cents where you're still getting, again, that, uh, in a time with no yield, over right. 5% is pretty <laughs> darn good. So they may not have to cut it now, but they could have to cut it next quarter. They're saying for Q3. For Q3, yeah. So so you will get, uh, I think the dividend right now is about 52 cents. So you may get that 52 cents for the second quarter. But the third quarter could cut down. I think you said what thirty six cents was the the estimate they came up with. It was pretty reasonable. So, and we'll um, find out more tomorrow on that as well. Not tomorrow, Monday. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought tomorrow was Monday. Well, I'm all I'm all turned around with this COVID thing. You know, I, my, I know. my days are all messed up. They're, they're all the same days. So, so J James, I forgot to ask you: Do you hold it or looking to buy it? Uh, buy. Buy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and and we like it. I still like it. I would be prepared for some volatility because there's a lot of different things going on. But when we buy something, we're, we're buying it for the next you know, 12, 18, 24 months. Uh, I know we'll get through this situation. So maybe you buy it around 26. Maybe it drops down 5, 10 percent. I mean, no one knows short term the craziness can go on. But think about where you'll be in 12 to 24 months. Uh, and, and I think you'll be fine with this bank. They're, they're a pretty strong bank now. New management, too, is very important. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's the other thing here, James. I mean, we, we talk about how it's a, a new Wells Fargo. Obviously, they had all the problems uh, several years ago. They replaced it with a, a new CEO that was actually a, a pretty good CEO when he was running Visa several years ago. So he, he's a, a good leader, I believe. Uh, you know, And I think that they were so heavily scrutinized that now it's going to be kind of hard for them to mess up. Yep. So they've had to comply with all these different <laughs> tests. I think they're a very safe bank because they've been under such a fine microscope that yep. I, I think they're maybe one of the safer players. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we like it, but it doesn't mean it's, it's going to go up from here, uh, but a good good investment. All right, James? Uh, sure. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That is open the phone line, 833 Two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. And, and Chase, we we got to talk about. Um, and actually, by the way, all phone lines are open. Um, so we got to talk about because again, we we just talked about Wells Fargo. Yeah, look at where it'll be 18, 24 months down the road. Unfortunately, we, we have we have warned against uh, day trading for months now. And last week, a twenty year old student died by suicide after seeing a negative. $730,000 balance in his account. In the suicide note that was left, he said he had no clue about how the trading was supposed to work. I mean, day trading, and that's just the, the worst case scenario. But there's been many people that have been victims as well, and the game is not over yet. It's still being played, and people are going to try to day trade. And, and it's so easy sometimes. Like in Vegas, gosh, you go to Vegas and you play the roulette wheel. Like, wow, this is so easy. I keep winning and winning. And all of a sudden, in, in five minutes, what happened? I lost it all. Yeah, was, uh, I didn't tell you this yet, but when I was at, uh, we had our first football practice uh, at Poway High the mm -hmm. other day. And, uh, you know, it is COVID regulated, so don't worry. We're, we're <laughs> abiding by all the rules there. Uh, but I was talking to the kids, and, you know, they've, they, they've been looking for something to do during the downtime. So a couple of them were talking to me about how they were trading. 
And uh, wait, are they uh, under eighteen though? Uh, yeah, you, well, they still use their. He was using his dad's account. His dad's account. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, yeah, I made all this money, and then the other kids were like, wow, you made seven hundred dollars just trading off that. Wow, I should do that. And I'm like, oh no, no, like be very, very careful. And the sad thing is, you see and you hear these stories, which make it again sound so easy, and you miss the fact that you could lose it all in the blink of an eye. And you know, especially with the, the story we just kind of mentioned. Um, the sad thing is, and I, I looked into it a little bit closer, it was actually options trading. And he didn't really have a negative $730,000 balance. That's what I heard, yeah. If the option would have um, you know, come due the next day as it was supposed to, he wouldn't have had that <laughs> large of a loss. And you know, it's just kind of sad when don't wrap yourself up in these things you don't understand. I mean, options, we say options are too complex and too complicated. Right. And I mean, we look at things very, very closely. Options are a very complex game. Don't get involved if you don't understand the situation. I mean, we talk about margin is the same thing. Margin, you can destroy your life by going on this high debt and buying a company. I don't know why it came to mind, but that Nikola, uh, yeah. you know, electric truck mm. company. You go on margin to buy that, you could lose everything so quickly. And right now, it's this dangerous game, and it seems easy because. You know, some people have been trading hurts and it's up, you know, 200% from its bankruptcy. And it, it, it's, it's absolutely insane. And it, it terrifies me that people are going to lose their shirts here and they're going to blame the stock market. And, and since you brought up options, let's just talk about that a little bit. Because, uh, again, the thing with the options, it gives you the option to buy or sell that stock at a future price. The difference being if you, we just talk about Wells Fargo. So you buy Wells Fargo, say you buy it at 26 and it goes down to 23. Ah, oh, shoot, you're not happy. You lost about 10%. You're kind of pissed off. Darn it, I should have waited until, you know, it hit 23. But if you had the wrong option on that <clears throat> and it expires, you lose everything you invested. Now, with Wells Fargo, you're down 10% maybe on your invested. But an option, you can lose everything. And also, too, the same thing when you talk about margin. Margin is the same thing that, you know, y if it goes down a certain amount, you get this margin call, and you either have to come up with the money or they lock in that loss at a at a major loss, fifty percent loss usually. Yeah, yeah. So. And and I mean, kind of speaking on margin is when you short stocks, that's margin. Yeah, so you don't actually hold them, and then that's why we will never get involved in shorting a stock. I mean, we have disliked Tesla stock since it was at two hundred and seventy-five dollars a share. Oh my gosh, we would have <laughs> lost right. so much money here. And you know, one guy I haven't heard from recently is David Einhorn. And they shorted it, didn't they? He, he had his, his short basket, which included, I think, Netflix. I know Amazon was in there. Right. And Tesla. Wow. So I don't know. I'm guessing he pulled his shorts off that because, I mean, he must be down substantially. Yeah, he, he's a big hedge fund manager. And, and, and the problem with shorting a stock as well is that you have an unlimited loss because you don't know. I mean, the stock, like if, if you have a stock that's at 10, well, the worst you can do is go down to zero. But if you have a stock that's at 10 and you shorted it, I mean, that stock could go to 100 and, and, and completely wipe you out. So there's no limit to the losses you can have there. And you might be asking, well, how does that happen? Well, because the thing is, once you get your margin call on the short, you either have to close the short or most people say, no way, this is crazy. It's, it's right. definitely going to go lower now. So you have to put more money into the short. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's a black hole that, that you could just go down and – you know, that, that's why people are, I think, scared of the stock market is because they hear these horror stories. But it's because, again, these people take these exorbitant risks that they don't have to. You could buy a Wells Fargo on sale that, you know, has been around for many, many, many years. And, yeah, I might go from 25. I don't know. Maybe it goes down to 20. And, oh, my right. gosh, that's terrifying. Well, I do strongly believe over the next two, three, four years that stock could be back at 40. Wow. I had to go from 25 to 20, and that wasn't fun to go through. Well, now that return's looking pretty darn good, and maybe they reinstate that dividend back to seven <laughs> percent. Right. Wow, that that's a pretty pretty reasonable investment. And, and also, too, if it did do what you're talking about, that'd be about a double over five years. That'd be about a twenty percent return per year. I mean, if you got a twenty percent return per year, I think most people would be pretty happy. But sometimes it takes that, you know, the patience and not to look at it. And oh my gosh, you know, it's down. I bought it at twenty six. Now it's at twenty five. Oh my, you know. Forget about that. That, that That's not how, how you make money doing that. So uh, phone number is 833-288-0973. Again, that's 
0973. Rather slow day on the phones today. I, since we've been here at the fan, I don't think we've had this slow day. Beautiful day out. Maybe people at the beach. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, I was trying to see because it was a little cloudy when I was rolling in. So I was confused. Uh, you know, I thought people would be inside ready to call in. But yeah, I know. Well, yeah. I, I think throughout, uh, and again, it's kind of summer's kind of starting. So people, uh, I, I, I went outside to leave the radio show. My neighbor, he's out there. Uh, I go, what are you doing? And you put up Christmas lights at a, a, a thing. <laughs> my house goes, oh, I'm trimming the trees and stuff. And that was, uh, what time did I leave my house? Like 8 o'clock, 8, 8.15. And it's like, it's it's beautiful outside. So people getting out, taking advantage of the thing. But this is such an important time to be calling in because we don't want people day trading. We want you to be investing in the right companies. And that's why we're here to give you the that unbiased, uh, uh, you know, no strings attached. No strings attached. <laughs> okay. Fundamental <laughs> opinion. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for mentioning that for me. Uh, that's what we're here for, to try to help you with your portfolio, because it is a very difficult time. We'll give you the guidance there for, for that. Uh, speaking of the guidance, uh, we do have our, our, our webinar coming up on Thursday, July 16th, and this will be very helpful for you. It's a great place to learn about the fundamentals of investing and the strategies we use to find good value investments. Now, we go over all these valuation ratios we're, we're talking about. We go over the growth rates. We tell you what they mean. We got to talk about the financial statements. We talk about reading the 10Q, the 10K. Uh, we talk about things to be careful of that we've experienced. I've uh, been doing this for 40 years uh, of things to be careful of, what to look out for so you don't lose all your money, which unfortunately I've seen too many people over the years do that. Uh, that's what you're going to learn in, 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 in the um, webinar on Thursday, July 16th. So you got to sign up for it. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, it is a free webinar available all day, but you got to sign up. So go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. Did you have something you wanted to talk about there? I was going to add to the, the webinar, and you know, it's, it's so important because it, it's, it's such an interesting time, and it's such a difficult time for people because they, they look at things, and it's like, oh, well, you know, the fundamentals don't matter. And it, it just reminds me so much of, you know, the 2000 era or the, the tech boom era where it was like, oh, you know, it's dot com. So it's going to be fine. And, you know, the, the stock market fundamentals didn't matter at that time either. Well, again, it came to fruition that the stock market fundamentals do matter and it will matter at some point down the road. So just be very, very cautious getting sucked into again this game of buying high and hoping somebody buys higher. And, and, and people are right on the short term. Fundamentals mean nothing at all because the stocks are going to do crazy things and so forth. But in the long term, it means a lot. Reminds me of Benjamin Graham saying, uh, on the short term, uh, the market is a voting machine. And on the long term, it's a weighing machine, which means on the short term, however people vote is what the stock's going to move. But on the longer term, the weight comes in where you've got these good quality businesses have a lot of weight to them. They're the ones that are going to do well for you. So, All right. So phone number is 833 288 0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head up to Huntington Beach and speak with Koresh. Koresh, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent, uh, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent. How you doing? Good. How you doing? All right. I uh, wanted to ask you about uh, PayPal. Okay. And is that one that you own? or? Uh? I own it. Okay. I think I put in the wrong symbol. Yes, I put in the wrong symbol here. Let me try the right symbol. P-Y-P-L. Right. right. Uh, how long have you had it? Um, the, most of oh. it I bought about two months ago. About two months ago? Okay, well, let's take a look at that. I, I know it's a, a great company. I think they have been rather pricely, but we'll take a look at the numbers here for you. Again, the company is PayPal Holdings Incorporated. Symbol P-Y-P-L. Uh, not a great start here, Koresh. The P.E. ratio is 108 versus 10 for the industry. Price to sales, 11 versus 1.3. Price to book value, 37 versus 1.7. And wow, price to cash flow is 70 versus 1.7. Now, we do see sales for PayPal. We're up 15% year over year. That is better than the industry, up 5.8. However, earnings per share for PayPal fell by 15%. Uh, the industry did fall by 21%, but still both down, uh, not doing well in their earnings. We do see on the current ratio, PayPal is a current ratio of 1.4, just under the industry at 1.6. That's okay. Debt to equity, very good for PayPal, 50 versus 244 for the industry. Return on equity is 12.1 for PayPal versus 12.6 for the industry average. Net profit margin, 10.3 versus 13. And receivable turnover is 44 versus 1.5. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for PayPal, $170.87, 52-week high, $175.40, 
and 52-week low, $82.07. I know this is uh, one of the, I'll call it like a fintech type type company, what, what, what's a, fintech? a fintech, like a financial technology okay. company um, that, that's done very well, and uh, there's a lot of excitement around it. So I, I think it's, a, again, a great business, but I mean, I am a little concerned with valuation because if I look forward to December 2021, see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $2.84, will give us a target sell price of $46.01. Uh, there is a large discrepancy between the non-gap and gap earnings. I'm curious as a financial company, uh, what they would be writing off essentially from those non-gap numbers, and, and also too, do they not have competition from Venmo? Aren't they kind of doing a similar thing, or they're more of a transaction, transaction company. company? I'd say it's more like a, a Stripe is their their competitor. Okay. Likely, I know they do some other things as well. I, I'm not super familiar with their entire business, but I, I know that they are very beneficial in the, the payment kind of processing type situation of PayPal or Venmo. PayPal. PayPal. Okay, yeah. So, so pay. I mean, you really got to understand the, the business correction we're kind of just discussing here quickly because the numbers are very, very expensive. Uh, and you got to understand that this business is going to, uh, you know, not be able to deliver and the stock will drop dramatically because it's way, way overpriced. Uh, great business, but again, very, very pricey. So if it came to us, we'd say, sorry, uh, we're going to sell it. Doesn't mean it won't go up, but we just can't understand why it's trading at such high multiples. Alrighty. Okay, great. Thank you, Thank you Brent. Thank you for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, and I was, uh, I thought this was the case, but I was 100% sure, so I didn't want to say it until I looked it up. But Venmo is actually owned by PayPal. So <laughs> You know, and I that was in the back <laughs> of my mind as well, that, that maybe they do. So obviously they can't compete with themselves. So, yep. so that's a, a good thing for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and they do have some good products, but it's still, it's a very pricey trading at, you know, what it should be worth maybe five, six, ten years down the road. That, that never pans out well. Doesn't mean it's going to fall tomorrow, but I'm, I'm guessing they're they're part of that stay-at-home e-commerce type trade. I think that's one reason they're they're up so much. Obviously, Venmo is a uh, quite popular with my generation, mm -hmm. um, and also I have it too. I don't <laughs> I don't know how to use it, but I have it. <laughs> a lot of people do. There's you know millions of people that, that utilize it, but uh, you know with PayPal, I, I think they they help with processing payments. So you, you go online to buy something, well, you might process that payment through PayPal. So I think that's why the e-commerce trade, that's why I think PayPal is kind of benefiting from that. And people are excited about that opportunity as more people look to shop online. Uh, that, that's just kind of a guess. But again, it doesn't justify a multiple of, what would you say, 100 times? Yeah. Know. Yeah. And, and that's what I kind of look at, too, is they really got to understand the business. And, and one thing I've saw, because sometimes I will buy something, I'll see PayPal, I'll see you know, the credit card for Visa and MasterCard. I'm thinking, why don't I just use a credit card directly? I, I don't get the benefit of using a PayPal because it's going to be a credit card anyways, right? Well, so I believe, and again, uh, it, it, I haven't taken a super close look at PayPal, but um, I believe they process those credit cards as well. So like online, you go online, you type in your credit card info. That's how the merchant will actually process that, that payment through okay. PayPal. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, if you have PayPal, you understand this. We're just, and these are things that when we're looking at buying a business, we, we ask these questions because you should be asking these questions. If you don't understand something, ask the questions, try to get the answers to them because they say, oh, PayPal is a great company. Oh, it's great. And then, oh, I didn't realize that, how they did that. Yeah. You yeah, because they, they kind of, I believe, provide that security. Like, you can't just go type your, your credit card information on a website and buy something. Yeah. So they, they kind of help facilitate that secure transaction. Yeah. Uh, and a great investor asks a lot of questions. And if they can't get the answers to those questions, they do not invest. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they have it in the 10Q, 10K, oh, exactly sure. what they do. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, but at and that it, level, we don't waste the time doing that. <laughs> and it is funny. I mean, people, well, shouldn't you know? Well, why would I know? Be I don't even want to waste my time looking at exactly what PayPal does because I wouldn't even consider buying it because it's so expensive. Yeah. And I've never looked into actually what PayPal does as a business other than having Venmo and, and doing payment stuff. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not, not worth a research time there. So, all right. Phone number is 833 288 Zero nine seven three again. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Wayne. Wayne, you're the smart vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, gentlemen. I'd like your opinion on AMD Advanced Micro devices. Okay. And do you hold that or looking to buy that? Looking to buy it. Okay. And I think they had a major run up a while ago, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But, but let's take a look at uh, advanced micro devices, symbol AMD. Uh, we do see a very high PE ratio over the last 12 months 123 versus 28. 
Uh, price to sales expensive, 8 versus 4.9. Price to book value, 23, same as the industry, but price to cash flow is expensive as well, 81.8 versus 14.8. They do not pay a dividend. Their sales year over year grew by 18.8%, while the industry did decline by 2.9. And earnings per share year over year for the last 12 months, although they grew by 58%, when the industry saw a decline at 37. So they're doing very well growing their sales and earnings when the industry is not. So that's a big positive for advanced micro devices. The balance sheet, we see a current ratio of 2.2, same as the industry. Debt to equity is only 16 versus 74. So that's a huge positive as well. Return on equity, 19.7, above the industry at 13.9. Net profit margin, 6.5. That's about half the industry at 14. And we do see receivable turnover of 4.9 versus 6.7. Inventory turnover 4.1, slightly below the industry of 4.8. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? So current price here for AMD and advanced micro devices, $50.10. 52-week high, $59.27. And 52-week low, that's $27.43. So again, well off that 52-week low there. Now looking forward to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $1.30. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of just $21.06. So I know AMD has been popular in terms of its stock price appreciation, but I, I, it just looks expensive here, Wayne. Yeah, we, we'd have to say stay away from it based on the fundamentals. So I, I think there's, and again, this is a hard time. It's hard to find good yeah. you know, values out there, but be patient. You hate to buy at this level, and all of a sudden it drops down to you know 35 or 40. Like, oh, I should have waited because we knew it was too expensive. Already? Sure. Thank you very much. Okay, Wayne, thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line. 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Jennifer. Jennifer, you're on the Smart Rest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, guys. I um, just want to get your opinion on Fiat Chrysler. I bought it, I don't know, maybe six, eight months ago when it was about $14 and it's not doing great, but it is recovering. I just wanted to see what your thoughts are. And, and, and uh, what made you buy that Jennifer? Um, <laughs> just a whim basically. It's and I didn't do, <laughs> buy a whole bunch. I just, it would just seem like a good buy. And it, they just bought that other company. Um, the German company. Oh, PSA, yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. All right, well, what is a foreign company? So I believe it's based in the Netherlands is what it looks like. NV is the Netherlands. Uh, symbol is F-C-A-U. Uh, so I can't compare it to the industry average, but what I do have here is the actual fundamentals on it. Not bad on the P-E ratio, 13.1. We do see price of sales looks good as well, 0.7. Now, unfortunately, no price to tangible book value. Uh, which means if you take away all the intangible assets, there's no value to this because, again, they sounds like they haven't been buying companies, and that puts a lot of goodwill on the balance sheet, which is not a strong asset. Price of cash flow looks very good, though, 2.1. I like seeing that. Now, their sales are down 4.5% year over year. Uh, the industry, I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, earnings per share declined by 65%, so sales and earnings are both down. Uh, the balance sheet looks good. Uh, current ratio, 0.8. It's not a strong one, but I'm okay with that. Debt to equity is only 54. And a lot of times these car companies do carry uh, the financing, which generally increases their debt to equity. Theirs is only 53, which is pretty darn good. Return to equity is four. That's not very good. Net profit margin checks in at one. And then we do see receivable turnover is 51, and inventory turnover is 7.8. So we like the car companies. I'm still a little bit confused. Chase, is there any light on the earnings going forward? Yeah, well, I, I just kind of want to talk about the business a little bit first. They are in Italy, actually, where they're they're based. Um, and unfortunately, they do have a ADR, an American Depository Receipt, so you can buy it here in the U.S. under uh, FCAU. But for some reason, our, our, our software here is only giving me the European option, so it's going to be in euros rather than dollars. Uh, but, you know, I was, I was looking at this, and I'm kind of happy you called in about it because I, I was looking at a Jeep the other day, and they own Jeeps. And I was like, gosh, I, I like Jeeps. I, I don't know. Jeeps are cool. It's cool. You know, you have the, the windows off. And <laughs> do, do you have a Jeep, Jennifer? <laughs> no, but my husband is in love with them. <laughs> <laughs> but, and you know, I do the, remember partly why I bought them is um, they, they have a very big initiative to produce all-electric vehicles. And I know there's a lot of requirements overseas and here where electric vehicles are going to be required. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. A lot of the automakers are making that push as well. And, you know, they have good brands. Obviously, I mentioned Jeep, Chrysler, Dodge, Fiat, uh, Ram, the, the truck brand. And they also have Maserati as well as oh. a, an Alfa Romero. Uh, but looking at the numbers again, uh, we, we like cars, so I kind of got a little off on a tangent there. But <laughs> just thinking of that, let's look at the numbers here. Uh, eight, 8.64 euros is the current price for Fiat. And I, I do see the current dollar price is $9.67. That's a different uh, web page. Unfortunately, the, the rest of the numbers will be in euros. So the 52-week high is 14.78 euros. And the 52-week low is 5.51 euros. Now, if I go out to December 2021, I see they're estimated to earn 1.84 euros. If I take our 16.2 multiple that, we get a target sell price of 29.81 euros. So that looks very good. I will point out, Jennifer, I'd be very cautious. The auto industry normally trades at, at lower PE multiples, and it's because it's a little more cyclical. So I, I'm a little bit cautious on that 2980 um, but you know, the, the valuations look good on it. I just want to, want to understand the business a little bit more. Yeah. And, and one thing too, as I can't see a Jeep being an electric vehicle though, I just can't see that. I mean, you see the, the trucks are doing the, yeah, the electric thing so. and you know, you have the Cybertruck from Tesla coming out <laughs> and true. you know, Ford and, and, uh, GM are making the all electric work trucks, which is going to be interesting. I think that's kind of in the same class almost as a Jeep. Yeah, I guess times are changing. So I, I think it is a, a pretty good time to buy uh, a, an automotive company. I, I do prefer an American company versus uh, an Italian company. But, uh, yeah, the numbers look pretty good based on, w on what we saw there. All right, Jennifer? Okay, thank you. Thank you for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that opens up the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head out to San Diego and speak with Mark. Mark, you're in the Smart Investing with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yes, hi, good morning. Um, question today would be on Comscope, C-O-M-M is -M in Mary. It is a kind of 5G and cable TV play. Okay. And do you hold that or looking to buy that? You know, I've owned it in the past uh, when it was Eris, and then they were bought out by Comscope. And I think you mentioned they're a cable company, which off the bat kind of worries me because I know there's a lot of cord cutting going on, so I'm not sure how they were. You said 5G. Oh, 5G. Okay, okay. I, I just heard cable yeah, company. Yeah, it's a 5G worked. and a, a broadband play, I guess. Um, oh, okay. you know, they're in the Internet space and all that. Okay, that makes a difference then. Oh. Okay, so let's, let's take a look at the ComScope Holding Company Incorporated symbol, C-O-M-M. -M. Not a good start here, Mark. The P-E ratio, not material, versus 13.4 for the industry. Price of sales looks good, 0.18 versus 1.6. No price of tangible book value, which again means if you take away all the intangible assets, no value to the company. They do not pay a dividend. Their sales looking extremely strong, up 104% year over year, well above the industry at 0.3 decline. However, earnings, and I guess we're doing a lot of building here, their earnings are down 1,300% when the industry is up 153 now, looking at the balance sheet, this is a terrible balance sheet. Current ratio, 1.7 versus 1. That's okay. They got the liquidity. But the debt to equity, 613 versus 209. And that 613 reminds me back many years ago when I saw General Motors at 613. And wasn't too long after that, they filed bankruptcy. So I don't like seeing that type of debt to equity. Return to equity is a negative 98% versus a positive 24. Uh, net profit margin, a negative 11.7 versus a positive 11.8 and then we see what turnover 7.2 that is better than the industry at 5.8 but inventory turnover 9.2 that is well below the industry at 39.9 chase what about the earnings and so current price here for comscope eight dollars and 32 cents 52 week high wow 16 dollars and 32 cents and that 52 week low five dollars and 50 cents now when i look out to december 2021 if i look at the non-gap numbers they look pretty good because estimated earnings would be $2. But unfortunately, if I look at the gap numbers, which we prefer to do because it includes all charges and so forth, it would be a loss of $0.49. Cents. So I, I'm quite curious why the discrepancy is that large between those those two numbers. Mm -hmm. And I, I will point out it and say, you know, maybe it makes some sense that they are backing some things out from the gap numbers, but most of the time it does not. So I, I don't want to say yes or no on that. But I'd be very cautious with companies that do 
alter their gap numbers that much. Yeah, before you buy this, uh, Mark, you really want to understand why that big discrepancy, what has caused them to back it out. Because there are certain times that, that Chase, every once in a while, will say, yes, it's a currency fluctuation. There are some reasons we'll, we'll, we'll actually look at the performance numbers or the pre-exempt numbers. But you got to understand why that is, because it, it, it doesn't, based on just on the gaps, like, no, this is a terrible company. Yeah. All right, Mark? Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, let's go back. Uh, everybody's calling from San Diego today. Uh, let's go back out to San Diego and speak with Nate. Nate, you're a smart vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi. Uh, I just had a question. So, Nuke, you guys are just talking about electric vehicles. This company is uh, Nikola. It's competitor, mm-hmm. uh, supposedly competitor with Tesla. They haven't put out any vehicles yet, but they're going to be uh, releasing pre-orders for the vehicle this weekend. I was just wondering what you guys would think about that. I, I, you know, I'd go with the numbers with, with you, but they're terrible. Uh, but, you know, they have no sales, as you know, and, and so forth. So the, the numbers don't justify it. it. It is a very risky gambling play because this could be the largest trucking company, we'll say 10, 20 years down the road, and you would make a lot of money off investing into it. But as we all know, they don't have any sales. Who knows that the truck's going to be successful? You've got uh, Tesla coming out with uh, the truck. Uh, you've got um, uh, Pack Car, which owns uh, Kenworth and Peterbilt. They're building electric trucks. So there's going to be competition in this. And and when you're investing in this company now, you're hoping that in five to ten years, they're going to be making money. And that's just a little bit too risky for us. It is a gamble. um, And you could do extremely well, but there's no fundamental reason why to invest in Nikola at this time because it's it's a gamble. And the, the scary thing that I kind of look at here, Nate, is if you look at the market cap, which is kind of an estimated value or is a total value for the company, it's already $23 billion, and that's not even achieving any sales yet. And at one point, they were actually valued higher than Packard, which already has all these trucks. So that's already kind of baked in that they're going to be a larger player than Packard down the road. So you're taking a huge risk by investing in it. It could have momentum behind it where it could go from 63 back up to, I see that 52-week high is 94. That's very possible. But this is a very scary investment, in my opinion, and this is a complete gamble in, in terms yeah. of what the company will do. And, 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 Nate, sometimes gambles pay off. I mean, you know, at one point, Tesla was a big gamble, and people made a lot of money off of that. But still just, a big gamble. Still a gamble, yeah. <laughs> but but just keep in mind, I mean, what you're doing here, because if you invest, I, I don't know your portfolio, but you invest $1,000, eh, you lose it all, you're not going to like it. But who knows, 10 years, that 1000 could be worth 100000 But it, it's just something that you're speculating, you're not really investing, because th- there, there's nothing to really invest on. Does that, that, that help you out, Nate? Yeah, thank you for your opinion. Appreciate it. All right, you're welcome. Bye-bye. <clears throat> All right, I'd say that was on the phone line, but we just went out of time. Yeah, and I, I was going to say, you know, I always kind of look at the, the speculative and, you know, it's it's always interesting because you almost want to get involved in the, the hoopla and, and yeah, get involved in the excitement. But I always tell people, gosh, I'd rather go to Vegas and, you know, I know some people budget gambling money and, and they look at that as an expense. They're not looking at, oh, I'm going to go to Vegas and win $10,000. It, it, it should be the same exact mindset for for people that are looking at buying a company like this if you're okay with losing that thousand dollars it's a gamble that's what it is this is not a retirement investment that's the that's the way i would view buying a company like this in my personal opinion i don't even really like to gamble as much anymore i used to when i was younger (laughs) but but now i i get scared and i'm like oh i I don't want to lose twenty (laughs) dollars you know (laughs) well the other thing too and i i always hate this people say oh well they're younger they can afford to lose the money it's like but but then and you, you've talked about this as well. You lose it. You have nothing to compound going forward, and you miss the benefit of compounding over 20, 30, 40 years, which can make your money grow tremendously. tremendously. And and it just makes no sense to me. I mean, and, and again, if you have a hundred thousand dollars and you just want to throw a thousand dollars at at uh, Nicola, yeah, go ahead. But but don't take ten thousand because that's really going to hurt you going forward. Absolutely, and so, it could. You know, so I, I I'm just not a big. A big speculator there. I, I just don't like speculating because I, I like you. I hate losing money. I guess it's a family trait. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good trait. It's a good trait. Who wants to lose money? You know, and 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 when people do invest, they probably don't think they're going to lose money, but you know they're always very hoping. well could. Yeah, very very well could. That they're hoping that they're going to make a big big game. Now. So, well, there's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purpose only and should not be used as investment advice. 
If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey, or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And please visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information, along with investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. And closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. And may I say, not in a this program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. Uh, this is McKenzie Yor from San Diego Padres. This ball game belongs to my San Diego Padres. Padres play here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan.